Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Aplastic Anemia and MDS International Foundation 35th Anniversary Podcast. As we look back over 35 years of both service to the bone marrow failure community and advances in treating these diseases, we are taking a moment to check in with patients, caregivers, and others who have experienced combating bone marrow failure diseases. Today, we're chatting with Ruth and Neil Quadra. Both Ruth and Neil have been involved with AAMDSIF for many years, following Ruth's diagnosis of aplastic anemia, then NDS, and some subsequent transplant. She has also served on the board of directors for the foundation. Neil initiated and still steers marrowforums.org, the confidential chat room, and online support system for marrow failure patients. Hello, Ruth and Neil. Hello, everyone. Hello. So we have just a few questions for you today. And please, either or both of you may answer these as feels appropriate to you. So first, which information that you found or received help you the mo- helped you the most in dealing with your diagnosis or treatment? When I was originally diagnosed, it was 1996, and the internet was fairly new, and of course, the diseases were completely unknown to us. We were fortunate to find the AAMDSIF because really they were the only source of information, technical information, which is what we wanted, that described the disease, the likely causes, and the possible treatments. So without that basis, we would have been completely lost. That's that's really um, great to know and to share. So what was the life expectancy or prognosis when you were first given your diagnosis? Did the medical professionals actually explain something different to the caregiver versus the patient or Neil versus Ruth? I think we were really a team. We were hearing the same information. Neil came to every single appointment during the whole history of my illness. When I was first diagnosed with aplastic anemia, it was scary, but I felt like I was in good hands being treated at the City of Hope here in California. And there wasn't really a conversation about life expectancy at that point. Where the tables turned was when my diagnosis changed in 1998 to myelodysplastic syndrome, to MDS. That was a really shocking moment because we knew from reading the literature that it was a much more serious and hard-to-treat illness. And because of the state of medicine at that time, my choices were basically to wait for leukemia because doctors knew how to treat that or to go for a transplant. And those were both scary decisions. In 1998, they didn't have drugs to treat MDS. They hadn't... uh developed Revlimid and Vidaza and Dacogen then. So it was really just a choice of wait and see um, and likely have leukemia or look for a transplant. And uh, Ruth had her family members tested. Her brother and sister were not matches for her. They were matches for each other. Um, But the National Marrow Donor Program, Be the Match, found her an unrelated donor. In fact, they found two possible donors right away. So we know that many patients don't have that choice. They don't find a match quickly. 
um, Ruth was lucky enough to find matches. Wow, that's remarkable. So let's let's go back in time to uh, looking back at the beginning of your diagnosis. Is there something that you wish someone, anyone, had told you? Or do you have a piece of advice that you'd like to share with patients who have just heard their diagnosis? I think one of the most important things for us, we're information people, so we wanted all the details and we studied a lot. We we learned the medical terminology. But I think probably overall the thing that helped us most is that we followed what the doctor said to the letter. People tend to kind of come and go. They're given medications. You take them this way and maybe people do or maybe people don't. I was quarantined for the first 100 days after my transplant and we followed that rule um, to the letter on the hundredth day, I got to have a salad for the first time because I wasn't allowed fruit, fresh fruits and vegetables. And that sounds a little silly now because they don't have those kinds of restrictions on transplant patients. But at the time, we didn't know any different. We thought we have to follow what the experts who we believed in and we knew to be experts were saying. Neil, do you have any advice as a caregiver? Um, What I found is that the more you know, um, the better you can do at your job. Um, So one of the keys is to know what you need to do and what you don't need to do and set your priorities. You know, we had a full and busy life before Ruth was diagnosed, so we had to learn what to give up to concentrate on, on her health. So we did a lot of volunteer work at school. We had to cut that back and concentrate on helping Ruth, um, we learned that it's important to ask questions, meet the doctor halfway. You learn some of their terminology and ask the doctor to explain things to you so you'll understand. And it's important to take notes at an appointment because you talk to the doctor for 15 minutes, it all goes very quickly. Then you go home and say, what were we supposed to do? And if you haven't taken notes, you really can't follow up properly. Um, The other thing we learned is that you have to take care of the caregiver as well as the patient. Um, After Ruth's first week during the transplant um, preparations, I was so stressed that I wasn't doing a good job um, until I discovered that if I talked to somebody else and just told them what was going on, I felt much better and could concentrate on Ruth again. So that's very individual what a particular caregiver needs but you have to remember to take care of both of you. Thank you, Neil, for sharing that so much. I can't say that enough. From everything that I've learned, this is so essential to care for the caregiver as well as the patient. That's wonderful. You know, I appreciate so much you're giving us your time today and sharing with us a little bit of your story. Is there anything else that you would like people to know? Uh, There's always hope, and that's a a phrase that that comes from the foundation as well as from the City of Hope where I was treated. One of the most remarkable things that's happened in my journey is that after 15 years, 15 years after my transplant, I was actually dismissed as patient by my transplant doctor. She said, you know, you really don't have to come here anymore. I said, do you mean I'm not interesting anymore? And she said, yes. So off we went. But it was really a, a surprising and remarkable moment given the the journey that we had taken. So I want everybody who's listening to know, no matter how difficult it seems in any given moment, there's always hope. 
Well, congratulations on your graduation from your doctor. And I appreciate both of you and all your insights today. And thank you to all the audience as well. You can find these podcasts on the website at aamds.org. And you can find Marrow Forums if you're interested in that confidential chat room at marrowforums.org. We'll see you next time. So long.